So yeah, we've got a special edition of the Rugby League's Dailies podcast this evening. We're joined by Reese Clark, couldn't work it and play a former Newcastle Thunder um, veteran and a All Stars director. Is that correct, there, Reese? Yeah, yeah, All Stars rugby. Yeah. So, what what exactly is the All Stars then when it's at on? Also, basically, we're a sports coaching company. Uh, we work with primary, secondary schools, special educational needs schools, pupil referral units all across the the northeast and now the north of England, um, delivering a wide range of sessions. Basically, um, so there's a little bit of multi skills in there. There's a lot of tag rugby in the primary schools, a lot of contact in the secondary schools, and um, we do some change for life sessions as well for the for the really in, inactive young young children and. Um, yeah, basically, it's just getting in schools and community clubs and getting more kids active, basically, and and aiming it more down a rug, rugby route. Um, we cover rugby league and rugby union, um, and yeah, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. We try and link the kids who are enjoying it within school and get them down to the the closest club and get them playing on a weekend. And in a nutshell, mate, that's basically what we do. Yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's been good to watch over the last sort of. Well, over the last sort of rugby league season, anyway, the you know the, the amount of kids that that seem to be going through there, especially you know as you say, not just in the northeast. Now you've done a few sessions um, with you know the, the kids in in West Cumbria and and even further across sort of the northeast, where out out towards the the sticks there in the northeast. It seems to be a a good um, a good venture for for the kids out there. Has it been going very long, or is it just a a, a relatively new experience? It's been going quite a while. I think me and Joe Brown, we set it up about eight years ago and it was just kind of something to run alongside rugby, really. Um, but the more popular it's got, it's kind of took over and it is our full-time jobs now. It's our business that we run day to day and it just seems to grow and get bigger and we, we get schools and new areas all the time asking us to go in there. I mean, we started off with probably three or four schools and now we... But before COVID hit, when it was at its peak, we were in 150 schools from all the way up the top end of Northumberland, all the way down to Middlesbrough and Hartlepool and everything in between. So it was uh, it's funny how it's all came about. It's just, you know, teachers speak to other teachers. They'll say, oh, I've had All-Stars Rugby and they were great. And then we'll get a phone call off a school in Hartlepool and we go down there, tell them what it's all about. And it just kind of grows like that. It's... Um, yeah, it took us by surprise, to be fair, when we got um, a few phone calls from, like, Hartlepool, Middlesbrough, and then some rural schools up in, like, in the middle of nowhere, up in Northumberland, like Annick, like Branton, uh, Cambo, places like that, you know, they, it's great, and, and we, like we say, if, if it works, and we can get up there, and we can get more kids involved in getting active, and more importantly, get them involved in rugby, we 100% will do it, if, as long as it fits in, and it's doable from a logistical point of view. Well, that's it as well. I mean, you know, you, you hear nowadays the government talking about how, you know, how the the sort of the generation that's been lost to technology, the you know the the obesity crisis that's facing the country, and you know, it, it is great that, that the kids are getting more than just you know a a session an hour maybe in their physical education um, at, at at school as well. Being any oh yeah. Any sort of major major accomplishments within that there eight years? Then has anybody gone on, you know, for for clubs in the local area, or you know, was it? Uh, 
Yeah, it's, I've played with quite. A, it's funny because I've coached quite a few a few of the young lads at school who've then went on to play in the first team with me at Newcastle, um, and and uh, come across a few of them in clubs. So it's great. So we had a few years ago. We had Zach Clark play for us. Um, he doesn't play anymore, Zach, which is a bit disappointing. He, he was a, he was a really good player with good potential. Um, I coached him from like year seven. So when he came into the first team, it was a little bit like made me feel old, but I wasn't actually that old at the time. But um, yeah, so about him, there's Kieran Hudson as well. We coached for for a number of years through our Whitburn program at Whitburn School, which is which is a school that we've worked with for for many years, and they, and they always do well within the champion schools competitions. Uh, Kieran Hudson's just signed for Whitehaven. Um, he's a big, strong lad. I think he's got a lot of development in him, but I think he can do it. I think he's got the physical attributes. I think he just needs to mentally fix up a few little things and I think he'd be an absolute handful I mean if I'm honest I'm not looking forward to trying to tackle him next year because he's about 7 foot tall and 120 kilos but um, yeah he's turned into a good little player and it's good there's a few others as well but yeah it's good and you know it makes it worthwhile what you're doing you're going in there you're putting time into these kids and they do listen you know you try to pass on the knowledge that you've got and, and if you help them along the way and, and that's what it's all about I've, during my time at Newcastle I was always pretty hands on with the with the academy lads and spoke to them, try to give them advice. And I think I got that when I was a kid coming through. And, and I think that's what all more experienced players should do is try and help the young kids come through because at the end of the day, they're the future of the club that you're at and they're the future of the game. And I think we need to look after our young players best we can and, and try and help them and guide them and, and get them into the first team. And it's like a full circle. They'll come and take your shirt off here at one point. But um, uh, yeah, we'll be good. Well, that's it. And I mean, you you just talked about you know getting the, the kids into the into the first team and things and your old club there Newcastle seemed to have a, a a fantastic academy set up there um in the you know across in the northeast and um you may be able to shed a bit more light on it but this isn't a dig at Newcastle in any way shape or form by the way what I'm about to say but any particular reason why they all seem to take a very very long time to get them into the first team. Um, it's something that like I've had discussions with people at the club a, a lot of times about it. I think we've got an academy there that's uh, playing against Super League teams week in, week out. They're all full-time. They're getting all the S&C, the, the education. They get, they're get getting everything, basically. Um, hell of a lot different to when I was coming through an academy. We didn't even have an academy team. We were just kind of the, the only players in the North East, really. It wasn't in case of the best that would struggle around for a 17, to be honest. And we would kind of represent Gates at Thunder at the time as an under 18 team, the Gillette National Youth League. Um, and there was four of us went on to play a championship in that first season when we signed. And that's kind of always been my thing. We've got a full-time academy here. How come we're not making the step up into League One? And how come they're not making the step up into championship? And I, I kind of get why, because the club's invested heavily in first-team players and trying to get out of the division and trying to get promoted. And... It's trying to strike a balance between the two. There's been some great young kids who have come through and haven't kind of made it in the first team that have went elsewhere to play for, like, look at Dan Coates, who was at Coventry last year. He couldn't get the game time he wanted at Newcastle. He left, went to Coventry, and then by the end of last season, I think he had about, well, I'm good mates with him, I think he had a, a good 10 clubs chasing him. So, I don't know. I think the ability's there, the talent's there. It's just getting them in the first team. Um, and I think they're starting to do that a little bit now. We've got Alex Donaghy, who I think is going to be a, a tremendous player. He just needs a little bit more experience of playing at that level. Isaac Noakes as well. I think he's going to be an absolute handful. 
there's some great young kids coming through. I'm a big fan of Tyler Heppel, who I coached at, um, at Gated Storm. And um, there's, there's a few others coming through. I mean, even looking down the scholarship of some of the kids that I coach at the schools now in Whitburn, there's a good few kids there who I think, you know, with getting into a full-time environment and, and getting the good coaching and getting the good experience within the club that they should kick on and get into the first team. And like I said, over the years, I think we should have had a few more in the first team, but it, it is striking the balance between having an experienced squad and getting the young kids through. But hopefully... In the next few years, we can see more of them in there and, and more than playing games. You know, Jake Anderson is a top lad. He's a lovely lad. He's come through Gated Storm, which is my junior club and where I used to coach. And he played a few games last year. You know, he's playing in England Academy. Um, there's Nathan Clement. There is a good handful of young kids coming through who I think could, if given the game time, surprise quite a few people. Well, you, you you know you you definitely hit the nail on the head. I mean, we we've gone across a few times to watch. Um, to watch work and mostly getting uh, their uh, backside handed to them, but we'll not go there. Um, against Newcastle in the last few years, and there's always been, um, you know, academy matches on. I think one that springs to mind uh, was Hull KR a few years ago. Was it 2020 potentially, just before COVID struck? Um, mm-hmm. Last match of the season, well, last league match of the season, anyway. Um, and yeah, I mean, Hull KR had the likes of Mikey Lewis in and. You know, uh, I think Will Price was even at that point there, and the, the, none of them looked out of shape at Newcastle either. The, yeah, they let a few soft tries in, but at that age, you know, and and, and the sort of development it's going to happen. But there's definitely, as you say, there's definitely potential there in the northeast for for a, good, a very good side of northeast based players as well. Definitely, and I think for me, being a local lad and being involved with that club for a lot of years, that, that, that's what I want to see. Do you know, I, I think with Newcastle, the, the turnover of players every year has been an issue for years, so hopefully this full-time squad that they're putting together now they can keep it together for a few years and the club can really kick on, but like that's been the frustration for me in my time there with the turnover of players. I think like, we should have maybe tried to get a few more on the first team and, and maybe kick on a little bit, but like you say, it's all about trying to be competitive. The club was trying to bring you through and have a sustainable first team at the same time, so like you say, it is a balance. But, um, yeah, I used to go down and watch the academy games, and, and it was great. And I used to speak to quite a lot of them after the game. They used to be disheartened, you know, oh, you've just been beat by 50 off Wigan. And I said, yeah, but you've got, you've got to remember, lads, like, we are, like, probably, we are five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years behind those teams in the Heartlands. Like, Wigan's academy would be some of the NRL academy teams. Like, you've got to kind of put it in perspective. And I think with academy rugby, it's not so much about results. Yeah, it's great winning, but... For me, it's about development, personal and individual development, as well as collectively as a group. Um, so for me, I think it's more about individual progression at, at that age and the academy age, and, and and it's a good development stage for them. So you can't really beat yourself up when you're getting beat by the likes of your Wiggins, your Saints, your Leeds. you kind of just got to take it on the chin and, and learn from those games. And I've always said as a player and as a coach, when I've coached the juniors or academies or scholarships or in schools or school teams, you learn a hell of a lot more from a loss than what you do from a win. And you've got to kind of take the positives out of a loss. Obviously, no one likes to lose. It's not great. But at that age, it's not life and death. You know, we're not talking about losing a grand final. We're talking about losing an academy game. And yes, we want to have that winning mentality. But let's realise where we are, what region we come from as well. We are playing catch-up from a rugby league point of view. And get that personal development right and hopefully over the next few years we can start become more competitive at that level and 
we'll keep producing more kids out the northeast. No, yeah, definitely, totally agree. I mean, you know, it's like you say yourself, you can't just dump a ground in the middle of Newcastle, put 13 or 17 there and say, right, well, you're going to beat, you know, Wigan that's been around since, you know, since the time itself, St. Helens and, and Leeds at the same time. But no, just looking through the, the academy setups there, they have, I mean, I was having a look there, uh, being the nerd that I am, <laughs> had a look through some of the academy results there and they have gradually got better year on year. So, no, the academy is doing well and, you know, best luck to them and hopefully at some point the, the Cumbria Storm set up there potentially will come back because, as you say there, the amount of players that we've had from that uh, go on to bigger and better things is, is ridiculous. One that springs to mind, uh, Jacques O'Neill being at Castleford. Oh, yeah, from... definitely. Like, it's, it's something that I've spoke to Chris about a few times and just said like the club need well obviously the region but mainly the club needs to get some kind of youth system in place I think the struggle over there is the community game is very strong and the under 16 and the 18 teams are really good but from a selfish club point of view if we can get one academy and get players in house and get them playing or maybe a college program or get them a bit of education as well as doing the rugby you look at some of the young players in, in Cumbria and, and playing the amateur game and some of the locals, there's so much talent in the area. And I think that's why a lot of the top Super League clubs come and kind of pick off the best kids and take them out the area. I think if you had a set-up up there, I think there's so much talent that there is to be there. I mean, I look at some of the lads I play with, like you've got Cuss, like Matty Henson, Dawson, like Hanley Dawson, sorry. There's just so many good players, like Zach, like you, you go on and on. There's some great players there, and to think that they haven't really been in a full-time academy or anything like that, to go from playing in, in the NCL, which is obviously a very strong competition, um, to then step up into, into League One and, and into Championship, it, it just proves that there's a lot of talent over there. Um, and probably a bit like Newcastle, just kind of need to get them into the first team and, and get them playing a bit more. I think looking at the Cumbrian clubs now, there's a lot more homegrown players than when I used to play against them 10 years ago. Um I might be wrong, but I, I do. it does feel like there's a lot more local Cumbrian-based players playing in the Cumbrian teams rather than loads of travellers and loads of overseas players. Well, I think as well what helps with that there um, is all three are English coaches now. So they've got, you know, they, they will focus on the English game and, and things like that. I mean, yeah, you've got Steve Neal at Barra that seems to have a an endless supply of cash there, but uh, he still does go fairly local when he wants to fetching a, a new player but no I mean as you say there you know you you go back to the Wiggins and the St. Helens beating the Northumbria or the, the Newcastle clubs um, academies there the majority of those St. Helens players and Leeds players probably come from the likes of Seaton, Kells, Wathbrow and Ensingham <laughs> Yeah I definitely like you say there's just so much talent up there and, or across there I should say and it's um... I, it's good. It's good for the clubs as well. I know, like I spoke with Chris before I signed. He said he was going to go massively on trying to get as many uh, local Cumbrians in the team as possible. And obviously, we got promoted last year. And it just proves that the talent's there. You've just got to kind of give them a chance. And even look at Whitehaven last year. They had a, they had a great season. And and I think the majority of their squad are Cumbrian lads. I mean, when I played in Whitehaven in 2013, we we did have quite a lot of travellers. Um, to the area to play for the club and there was a handful of, of Cumbrians where I think there's there's kind of a lot more local Cumbrian lads in these teams which is which is good to see. Well it, it it gives the club more of an identity as well, doesn't it? You know, you've you've got something 
you can walk down the street potentially and bump into a player and be like, oh, well, you know, he's such and such, he plays for Whitehaven or, or Barrow or Newcastle or Workington. And it gives you that sort of, well, if they can do it, we can do it, rather than seeing someone drive two and a half hours up the up the M6, up the A1, and just seeing them once a week when the, when you see them in the on the field sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, Newcastle, that was... That was a ride and a half for you there, Reese, wasn't it? Really, was it nine years you spent in Newcastle? Nine or ten? Uh, I think the season just gone when I left. That was my tenth season, I think, off the top of my head. Uh, oh. Been involved with the club for, for for forever, I think. I mean, my brother was my brother's about five years older than me, and he played in the first team as well. So I've kind of always been around it. I used to ball boy and go down to training, and um, I used to just go down and watch training. Uh, when I was like 14, 15 uh, it was when Dave Woods, Australian coach was um, was in charge he told us to bring me boots along the next session I joined in on a few things and then they set up the little academy and I went into that and then a year later he offered to sign us in the first team where that was the, the year we got promoted to championship um, so my first year was that full time year in the championship and it was, and it was really good um, so Dave signed us there and then Chris Hood took over when Dave left in that transitional off-season. Um, Chris gave us me, me debut on, on Boxing Day, Castle for away. That was a bit of a shock. I, I wasn't expecting that, playing against Joe Westman when he was like the, the next big thing, which obviously he's turned out to be a, a, a top-quality player. I was, I was 16 years old, so I was a bit nervous before that one, but it was, it was good. And then um, Steve McCormack came in, who's coached uh, one of the Cumbrian teams up both. Um, and he was, he was a real good coach and then we went to administration and then I thought for my development it would be best to leave and I went to York for a couple of years, Whitehaven and back to Newcastle and then over at working and now so yeah it's been a, a bit of a crazy little career, I had a little little dot around a few clubs. So did, did you get coached by Chris then at, at York or was that slightly later, slightly earlier than Chris? No, I signed... Um, when I came there, it was when Chris and the team had just won promotion. It was Dave Woods again, who used to be my old Gateshead coach, slash Newcastle coach. He, he asked us to go and sign for them. Um, and I went down there, and Chris was a player at the time, um, like player assistant coach. I actually played on Chris's edge, which was a, a, a good experience for me, playing against, a, obviously, an international player. And even a little bit more special that he's a Geordie as well. So he kind of took a liking to us, took us under his wing a little bit. And then... The end of my first season at York, which was 2011, going into 2012, Dave Woods left, and that's when Chris took over as as head coach. Now, is it right then what they say that Walls end of the proper Geordies and the Gates end of the posh ones? <laughs> I don't know about posh. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been to Gates, but it's definitely not posh. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we'll let it. We'll let them have that. You know, they are Newcastle, I suppose, and we're just across the water. But uh, I'll let them have that. No, no, I, I went through Gateshead a few times, and to be fair, I got me, I got all my tyres when I went out and all the tyres when I went back in, so can't complain, nice area. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so as you say, there you went across to Whitehaven, and uh, do seem to actually remember you at Whitehaven, but so you weren't at Newcastle quite when the Thunderdome was being erected, but it wasn't far after then. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 it wasn't quite there. I'm trying to think, I think my first season was 2009, and then I stayed for 2010, then went to administration. I went to York 2011, 2012, Whitehaven 2013, then back to Gates in 2014. 
and then the takeover happened and we moved up to Newcastle and then I stayed there until obviously March time this year. So yeah. It it was definitely needed, mind the takeover there there in fourteen, fifteen when you when you moved across from the Gateshead was it the Gateshead Olympic Stadium or something or the community ground? Yeah, yeah. The the Gateshead International Stadium. That's I think it, it, it was tough. I mean, when I first signed, we had a, a, a quite a wealthy owner at the time, Steve Garside, who used to put uh, in quite a lot of a lot of money into the club. He, like, he backed us full time when they got promoted to the championship, and we had some great players. Um, we avoided relegation from championship. We've done really well, and then I don't know what happened. Something must have happened off the field, and, and he left the club and. The club obviously didn't have someone to take it over. So then the club went to administration and dropped down at League One. And then Chris Hood and Keith Christie took the club on for a few years and, and kept it alive, basically. Um, running it on a shoestring budget and, and kept the club away, kept it afloat. Um, scraped around as much as they could to get players and sponsors and stuff like that. And, and uh, they've done a great job. And then when I went back there, I kind of knew that the, the takeover from Newcastle was happening, and I think with Newcastle takeover, it has just took the club to the to the next level. I think it was a bit of a slow start. I think maybe we should have went for it a bit earlier, but that's by the by. I think the club's in a good position now, and Seymour Curdy, who owns both clubs, he, he's a top man. He, he's pretty quiet, but he's a he is a lovely guy. I've had a, a good few meetings with him. I used to work up there doing a bit of community stuff as well, and so I've spoken on a few occasions. He's a he's a top bloke. He's um. Hearts in the right place. I think with his back in, the club is gonna go on to do to do good things, and, and hopefully it does because there's there's some great people involved with that club. Not, not the fans, you know, some of them fans have been there through thick and thin, and some of the volunteers there's some great people there. But um, yeah, hopefully they do well. There's also not some great people as well, like who who I won't be sending Christmas cards to. <laughs> well, no, and I don't think I think every club's got that though. To be fair, haven't they? You know, every fan base as well, but. Uh, so back back across the A69, the old fabled 69, down to work. And what brought you across there then to, to town? Was it the fact that you were getting 37 bags of XL crisps and 55 magnums for a winning packet? <laughs> um, it, it's funny, I, I'd spoke, I, I liked playing under Chris a few years ago, and I'd spoke to him probably the last three seasons about potentially coming across. It was just the logistics with work and having a young family and stuff like that that was putting us off. I think from a, if it was a rugby decision and rugby alone, I might have come a little bit earlier because I just loved the way that he was talking about the club and his ambition for the club and his drive and his philosophy. and it, it, It's kind of everything that I agree with and think what a rugby club and a rugby team should be built on. So when I left Newcastle, I kind of wasn't getting the, the game time that I wanted. Um I wasn't just going to sit there and watch all year. I'm not that type of bloke. I'd, I like I, I play rugby. I'll, I'll probably be a spectator of the club for the next 20, 30 years. I'll go to the games, but I think I was still young enough and still offered too much to be sitting in the stands. And I spoke to Chris, uh, and he gave us a call, and he was asking why I wasn't playing, told him, and, and he said, yeah, we'll, we'll have you straight away. He said, we're looking for another middle. Um, I, I generally played as a back row at Newcastle, and Played a, a season, a, a season and a half in the middle. Then he, he wanted to sign me as a middle over here, which I had no issues with at all. And I listened to the way he wanted to play, and there was a lot of ball playing in there, which which kind of suits me. And it was great. We got a loan done for the first month, mainly just to see how the logistics of the travel and 
work and the kids and making sure everything personally was, was worked well. And then as soon as, I think it was probably one week into that, we, we started talking about extending it for the full year. Newcastle didn't want to extend a loan for whatever reason, so I just asked for a release and, and signed it working. And it's, uh, it's been, been a great decision. I, I've absolutely loved my time there. And we've got a great team and we've, we've obviously went on to get promoted, which was, which was absolutely brilliant. And, yeah, can't be happier. Yeah, no, I mean, we know each other fairly well, which helps as well. But uh, <laughs> I must admit, it, it, it raised a few eyebrows, the fact that, you know, we got this, you got the loan deal and, and everybody said, oh, great, you know, he it, it, it looks the part and he probably will be the part. And then when the, when the 12 months come, I know our two supporters clubs both sort of got together and uh, there was a few songs that were being thrown around, none of them which were PG enough to actually sing in the stand, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, um, relating to scrums caps falling off at Hunslow, but we'll not go there. Um, <laughs> I, I took that off because there were spotters, we seeing get it with a head guard, so I took it off so they couldn't find us. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, but uh, no, it, it, it was definitely, uh, definitely our game there, the, the Thunders lost, but. What a season it it was though that when that championship one season you know the five weeks out because of COVID midway through the season first positive result for the club in general uh, at both Barrow and Keighley and then winning the the grand final at home in front of over three and a half thousand uh, at Derwent Park. What thoughts on the overall year then for yourself, Reese? Oh, it's been unbelievable. I mean. When I, when I agreed to come across, I knew I knew that working more I mean, the set of grafters obviously played against them for many years. You know, we always struggled to play away at Derwent Park, um, so I knew that home ground wise would have a bit of a fortress. But I think we've probably played our better rugby away. Um, don't know why. It might be the pressure of the big crowds we keep getting. But um, before I signed, I was looking at the squad and I obviously recognised a few of the names. But I was looking, I was thinking, you know, I don't recognise the majority of the squad and. I think I don't know what to expect. Don't know, if, didn't know if we were gonna have a, a good season, if we're gonna go top or what. But you know, like you come in and you realise some of these local lads that you've sent from from the Cumbrian local leagues and the Wafbrows, the Ensinghams, the the Millams. There's some unbelievable players there. And the one thing that stood out to me was how tight knit the group was. As soon as I walked in the door, everyone was just tight knit. Everyone grafting together. Coaches there all the time. Volunteers, you know, you got Velk Sloney there all the time. Patch there, sort me, uh, me towels out after every game. He even puts them on the radiator for us and that. I mean, it's just ran by, and it's just got so many good people involved with it. And I think that's why we've been successful this year. Yes, we are a talented team. We've got some great players, but I think the togetherness of the on-field staff, the off-field staff, the volunteers, the fans—it's just a tight-knit club, and everyone just works hard for each other. And I think that's part of the battle in rugby if you, if everyone's in it together and everyone's working hard and everyone's looking after each other you, you're going to be pretty successful well uh, you, you do you've hit the nail on the head I mean as I say I've been you know we've been following them now for better part of 20 years and there's plenty of times you know we've we've shut our eyes at, at some of the matches thinking you know they've got three or four sets on our line up you know the bounty score the bounty win the match and you know you open your eyes again and you look at the scoreboard at the, at the Derwent end or when you're away and the, the line was seldom rarely breached I mean there was a few blips at home to to the Crusaders and to Hunslet that season but 
I think on average they only conceded about three tries a match, which, in fairness, in that league, even you know, even, well, I say even your barrows and your workings now, you can say that, can't you? You know, they yeah. were still conceding the points. Yeah, definitely. I think we've we've got a big thing on being resilient. But, you know, you're going to be under the pumping games. Just don't crack. Just stick with it. Keep working hard. Keep covering each other's backs. Keep covering each other's insides. And and when you get the ball back, that's when you can relax. But get a little bit of a blow. Backs get us out uh, out with their hard work, which I think which helps us as middles a lot. Like our outside backs carry so well for us. So you can go a little bit harder in D because you know that when it comes to attack, the backs are going to kind of get you out the corner and stuff like that. And that's basically what we do, mate. We graph, we do a load of goal line D stuff. Well, like you say, we had a little blip in the middle, but we were struggling for injuries. I think at one point we were playing with a middle, one middle on the bench, sometimes two, a couple of people playing out of position. Um, but yeah, we, we just got stuck in for each other and it's worked out in the end. And hopefully we can take that into next season and, and give a good account of ourselves. And the uh, the fog on the tyne seems to be coming across the the, the sixty six there. We've got an, well, you've got another two coming across there to, to Bergen and uh, Alex Clegg and Evan Simons there. One of your backs there is Alex Clegg. Have you had him as a have you coached the young Clegg there as a all star or or anything like that? No, I haven't coached. him. He actually works for us. He's one of our coaches at All Stars. He's a he's a top 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 young coach. The kids absolutely love him. And he's a good lad. I played a few years with Cleggy and Ev. I played with Ev ever since he came to the club. So, really good mates with them both. Um, looking forward to travelling across with them. It'll be, it'll be a good laugh. Something up though, people keep saying the Geordie bus. There's only two actual Geordies in this team. The rest of them are fake. So, there's me and Wheatman who are from Newcastle Gateshead. Joe's from London. Jake's from Bradford. Cleggy and... Alex Young are from Wakefield and Evan's a scouser. So don't think they're all Geordies, they're fake Geordies. They just like to live there. <laughs> <laughs> In fairness, you could not have mistaken Dave Wheatman for anything other than a strong Geordie. <laughs> uh, he's got he's got probably one of the uh, the strongest accents I've ever seen I've come across. No, definitely. But uh, so in all fairness then, you know, take take the you know, take the the fun and the the, uh, the comedy out of it. Fantastic season at uh, Forward, you know, that they, they did deserve the promotion at the end of the day, second best side. And, you know, you normally find in League One, uh, last few years it's been Bradford, York, Whitehaven, Oldham, first and second. And now Newcastle via the uh, the weird playoff thing that they did, in, well, not playoff, but the weird sort of uh, license, mini licensing type thing in 2020. And ourselves and Barrow in 21, uh, 20, yeah, 21. Where do you think then the club look? Well, the club looks to go in twenty twenty two. Is it a case of twelfth and hope for the best, or you know, mid yeah, mid ten? Raymond, but yeah, we've, we've got to be realistic about it. We can't just go in the league and expect to. You know, you're not going to go playoffs straight away. I mean, you look at some of the signings from other clubs, and I think we've just got to go and give a good account of ourselves. And if we work hard, we do the right things, cut the errors out, look after each other, cover each other's insides, like we've done all year. You know, you never know what's going to happen. Look at Whitehaven last year; they surprised a lot of people, mainly by Grafton. I mean, I watched them at Newcastle. I went along, took my little boy, and and Whitehaven they just didn't make any errors. They just carry, 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 kick, work hard, the ball back, and and I, I suppose that's what you've got to do. You know, some of these teams, you look at Lee squad, Featherson squad, Halifax are signing well. Newcastle looks like they're going to have a decent side. You know, you. 
some of these teams are full-time, some are part-time. You've just got to go and give a good account of yourselves. And if we work hard and we, we get stuck in with each other and, and, and just graft, like, you never know what's going to happen. You're not going to go and say we're going to go in the league and we're going to finish top four. And, you know, it's probably unrealistic. But if we go in that league and we work hard, you know, you, you, you never know what can happen. And I think that's going to be our aim for this year is to go and give a good account of ourselves. And, and I think for us, make Down Park a, a tough place to come, which it always is anyway. But if we can make it a little bit of a fortress, um, you never know what can happen. Well, no, and I mean, like you say, just to back that one up there for White Haven, like you say, you, you know me working for the local uh, the local press. They uh, unfortunately sent me to White Haven a few times last season. Um, brilliant, you know, <laughs> brilliant people, no, in, in all fairness, brilliant people down at the uh, the REC or the LEL, whatever it's called now. Um, but know that, you know, they, they lost narrowly to Batley, who, you know, well-established side. They, they put 66 points on Widnes, you know, um, 38 on London Broncos, all well-established sides in that league and even in Super League to an extent. And it was, as you say, just through sheer, well, pardon the French, ballsiness and, you know, digging the heels in. Yeah, like, like I said early, earlier on in the, in the little podcast, it, it, half the battle in rugby is if you work hard and you look after each other, good things happen. And I think we've got that in abundance at our club. We look after each other and, we, and we've got a set of grafters and, you know, you sprinkle that with a bit of talent that we've got, you know, it, it, it's like anything. It, it's 17 on 17 and you just, you get stuck in and, you know, freak results happen all the time and we've just got to give a good account of ourselves, get stuck in, stick to our processes and do the things that we've been working on and, and hopefully we'll be absolutely fine. No, fantastic. Reece, you dad, as you say there. It is later on in the evening. Go and get the, uh, go and spend the time with the little ones. Thanks a lot for coming on tonight. If there is any other um, events that you do want involved in, just give us a bell and we'll see what we can do. All the best for 